welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady living queer. Today we have a return guest, and I'm so excited to be talking to her again. Oh my gosh, introduce yourself, Tracy, which I already did. Oops, oh well. Continue. <laughs> my name's Tracy Lebeck, and I am one half of leswatch.tv. And it's so wonderful you to come on again. Well, today, I guess you can give us an update on all of the wonderful things you're doing on your website, and then we can get into more about you. <laughs> me, all about me. It's all yes. about me today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll have Mika um, on later so she doesn't feel left out. Awesome. Yes, I was very glad to hear that. I'm like, I felt funny about doing it just myself. I'm like, you know, I don't like re uh, representing the project, just me. Um, but then once I heard that Mika's going to have her own uh, interview, too, I was like, okay, well, that's cool. That's fine. Yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't separate you two. You two are like the <laughs> Um, So, Les Watch TV, what's been happening? Oh, my gosh, I feel like so much has happened um, in the last year since we talked last time. You know, mm -hmm. Mika and I have been really working hard to, um, you know, let the world know about our project and... A network in the world of queer fandom, which is so much fun. I went to Clexicon um, in Vegas, and Mika went to Clexicon just um, a couple weeks ago in London, and we both went as press, and we were able to uh, cover and live tweet and take a lot of great pictures and meet awesome people. I think the best part for me going as press was meeting all the other press people and you know, meeting some Twitter folks in real life and making those connections um, because it's just a really fun community. And it, it makes me so happy to, you know, get further and further into this community. Um, so in a year, like the stats for our website have got, has gone up a lot. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a lot. Um, like in one month, we knew, in one month in, uh, we had our highest month, I think in October, of traffic to the site and in that one single month of October 2018 we had almost the same amount of traffic for all of 2017. Holy cow. Right yeah so that's how far it's gone up. Um, we're also really psyched that we added uh, Nikki Tanum as a writer. Um, she does a queer beat section every Friday because after her podcast went on hiatus. I was really sad and I wanted to, uh, you know, make part of it live on. So we invited her to write a column every Friday and it's, it's the best. I love it. I look forward to it. I don't read it before it comes out. Um, and it's all the like queer fandom news. Like she gets stuff from Instagram and Twitter and YouTube and, you know, all the fun, queer fandom stuff that's happening. And I, I learned something every single week that I didn't know. And I feel like a pretty tuned in person, but I learned all this new stuff. Um, and I did a full year of my queerest things I watched last week. I hit a full year uh, just a couple weeks ago um, of recapping all the queer things on TV that I watched the week before. So that was a little personal milestone. I've never written regularly like that before in my life. And I learned, I've learned a lot from that experience. Do you ever look back at your first one and be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look back at the first one. I'm like, wow, I, I, you know, I covered so many things. I covered like the littlest thing I saw. And now it's just, it's so, <laughs> I, and, I, and I swear, like, as the weeks have gone on, there is more to cover. We definitely have more regular queer content and, and, and really good queer content on 
TV. So now I don't do like the little here and there things I watch. I do the, the major shows that I watch. So that's, that's interesting. That's actually really amazing. It's great. Yeah. And there was one week I think where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have not watched anything queer. What am I going to do? Um, but, and, and sometimes also those works, those weeks are a relief because it's hard to write out that content every single week. And especially when you have a week where so like this week is a lot, we had a lot on legends tomorrow, black lightning, thunder grace is back. Um, that, uh, Riverdale had a little bit, but I mean, when, uh, when, especially when Winona Earp is out, like I have so much writing to do. So when a week goes by and there's no queer things happening, I was like, phew, <laughs> I don't have to write anything. But I, you know, I was able to find something like doing a rewatch or, you know, catching a binge watching a, a show that I haven't watched yet. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun adventure and I'm just really happy um, where it's all going. And even if it goes nowhere, I, I, it's my favorite hobby. Like I finally, I feel like I finally found a hobby that, um, uses, you know, my web development skills and I'm trying to get better with my writing skills and I let in networking and even presenting, like I gave a talk at FlameCon all about, um, Les Watch TV. And we submitted for a couple panels for KlexCon in Vegas. So it, I don't know, it, it hits all the the things I love, especially television, because I love television so much. That's absolutely wonderful to hear. I remember last time we talked to you guys, we were talking about possibly getting an intern to watch stuff with you because it was starting to become so much that you two might not be able to watch it yourselves. Like, have you felt like that's come true? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't mind making TV watching my job. And also I'm lucky because I can watch TV at work. Like I can have something going on at work like all day long while I'm working. I have a second monitor and I always have television on. What? So if I, so I'll like catch up on like Riverdale or Legacies or something that like is, isn't one of my favorite shows I need to watch live. And I'll also binge watch stuff. Like I'm binge watching um, BoJack Horseman now. I'm in the last season and that's the kind of thing I'll do. Like I'll do it like at work. If I have, you know, downtime at home, if I'm at the gym on the treadmill or something and I can watch TV. So that, you know, lot like series that I'm just starting like Bojack Horseman. Now I'm in the, the final season, but I'll, I'll do that kind of stuff like in here and there over the course of months and months. Like how, how do you, how, Okay. I had like this really like I'd laugh at the idea of calling it an addiction because I know addictions are like very serious things so I try not to use the word lightly but I did have a severe focus on television like if there was a television on in the room I was watching it regardless if it was something I wanted to watch or not like it was I I, I don't have that problem I think that's why I can watch so much television because television is like a a warm friend in the background talking to me while I'm doing other things. Like it, when I get home, I love, I like having the TV on, on something like the cooking network or something while I'm doing other things. I don't, if a TV is on, I don't need to sit and look at it. It doesn't take all my focus away. Um, and I think that's why I am able to watch so much 
television because it, I can do other things at the same time if need be, like at work. Oh my God, teach me how you do that. <laughs> also, it's like different, it's different parts of my brain because I do a lot of design at work. And if I'm just coding and I am, you know, working on design, that's like a diff different part of my brain. So the TV can be on and I can be coding away and pay attention to what's going on the TV and doing a good job at my job. If I have to write, like if I have to write proposals, if I have to read something, then I'll, I'll put music on instead. But I can't have nothing. It's kind of sad. Like I can't have nothing going on while I'm doing stuff. There's no enjoying the silence. No, I like, I like music so much. Like music is my other thing that I love, like after Same. television. Yeah, like I, I know we've talked about St. Vincent and oh, my God. Uh, and I, I mean, we could we could just have a St. Vincent hour where we just you know, <laughs> talk I'm about sure. Annie Clark and how amazing she is. Oh my gosh, I saw, sure I saw her live that. for for the oh. first time, like over the summer. And I, it was like one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. It was so good. I know she is just has such a presence that immediately attracts you. And it doesn't it's like I have more of like a personal history with her, not like personal her but per, like she made songs that really helped me through a lot of different things right kind right of personal. yeah I remember you saying that yeah and it's just her presence is just ridiculous like it's amazing no matter what she does like other artists for some reason I would look at them and be like wow they're trying a little too hard but for her she just makes it work every oh, time just, it's yes it's so oh. true I mean, it's so also crazy. great when, um, when, you know, you've connected with someone's music and they've helped you through a hard time and then they wind up being <laughs> like beautiful, <Yeah>. amazing, <laughs> queer, and they're like super talented and a good person. Like it's, it's the whole package. Like, I can't tell you how much I screamed when I found out she was dating a woman. Like I was literally, <laughs> literally my wife leaned over and she's like, isn't this the person you like? And I just started <laughs> squealing in the middle of this room with our roommates. And she was like, okay, you have to leave. <laughs> Go do this in private, honey. <laughs> but it's it's just something so rewarding about seeing someone that you admire and someone you look up to and someone that's just successful to just see them and to also see them be queer. Yes, like, same. I, like like I, that happens when I when I add you know I'm the, one of my projects with Let's Watch TV is going through and um, verifying every single actor in our database. And I'm a little bit overweight halfway through, I'd say I'm probably more than that. But it's I, I've been doing this for months and months and months now. And when I get to an actor that I like and I find out that they're queer in real life, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And and like uh, the, the re most recent discovery was um, uh, the latest season of Orange is the New Black, which was actually decent. I thought oh. Orange is the New Black was just going down a hole of torture porn and I was done. I was ready to give up. Oh, thank you for But this last season, this last season was actually pretty good, and there is this character who plays uh, plays this woman named Daddy oh in God. in jail, and she is actually, I think she was on The Voice, or she was a contestant on The Voice, and then it turned out that she, in real life, is girlfriends with one of the women who plays a CO on Orange is New Black too, and then I I went down this whole of like cute YouTube videos of them. They also play, uh, they're, they're, they play instruments and sing together, oh like God. just Instagram and YouTube of them like singing together and the cutest pictures of them together. I'm like, that's so great. You know, when you, 
like somebody, admire someone for their work, and then you find out that they're queer, and then you find out that they're super out and cute and like happy. We need more of that, you know, in our lives. And it's sad that we have to kind of dig to find it. Exactly. Um, and I, I don't think people yeah. understand. Like when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. They're actually queer. They're like, mm-hmm. so what? Are you just happy you have someone else in your club? And I'm like, no, no, that is that is not what's going on here. It's 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 happy to see somebody that is successful and is made in their life and it happens to be queer that it has not stopped them. I think yeah, it's really yeah. the good feeling that I it don't, comes from. Yeah, I don't think people understand what it's like to go through your whole entire life from childhood not seeing yourself, you know, anywhere, like uh, on TV, in movies, in everyday life. And when you finally have that as an adult, like people are like, what, what does it matter? And I'm like, you don't understand you, you've never had this, you know, and then when, when you do, it's, you don't take it for granted. Exactly. It's amazing. It's like, it's just such an amazing thing. And I think it's also that people are very visual, like, I'm really sorry. It's okay. And of course, this is what I'm talking. <laughs> Let's just go ahead. If she continues, it's whatever. I've accepted it. This is the niche of the podcast. This is the cat cast. <laughs> cool. Anyway, I think people are just so visual. They're so visual in their life. Like there, there are other people that, you know, go through their entire lives without seeing themselves. And when they do, they're super excited. Like when it's an issue of race or... God forbid, an issue of gender where you finally see a woman be a pilot for once or something like that. Right. And when it's not something that's so outwardly visible, it's like they can't grasp the concept of how it feels to see somebody on the screen and then have this validation that comes with it, oh, that they are also queer. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know enough about psychology to break down why that is, but I just, yeah. it's kind of sad. Yeah. But back to television for a second. Television was, my, television was my babysitter growing up, which I think mm-hmm. is why I, I love watching so much television. I just make time for it to consume all of these shows to get them all in our database and to write about them. So I don't think we, we don't have the, the need for an intern quite yet, but um, but we like having more contributors like. Uh, when people DM us or email us and say they found a mistake and, you know, or uh, especially with foreign shows, like Mika mm-hmm. got a lot of help from some folks in Germany about all the German uh, soap operas. Like, that's really awesome. So when people do reach out and give us corrections or uh, contribute more information like that, we love that. Like, that's the best. Yes. I was going to ask how you guys keep up with that, because I know Argentina, they're like, banging it out with the queer content in like Mm. soap operas and like just regular afternoon television. Well, you're, you're always welcome to help contribute to the site, Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) we can give you a, a, you know, a a login and you can go in and like, you know, go out the Argentine uh, soap operas. Oh my God. That sounds really scary because (laughs) I should not be, I should not have control of anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like let's that's super scary we'll talk about it another time when it doesn't terrify me <laughs> okay cool go I'm in there hold you to that oh no god <laughs> well definitely because I know that I've been I've been getting myself more active with the local community like the the gay community in Dallas and actually meeting people 
Oh, that's and, great. Oh, God, it's scary. It's so freaking scary. Like, I would prefer to talk to people over a mic any day opposed to talking to them in real life, which I need to fix. Mm-hmm. Like, this this has all been a really amazing journey for me to get mm-hmm. out there and talk to people and get to know them. And it's just sometimes you have to push yourself into that next step. You're um, totally doing it. I'm working on it, man. I'm working yeah. on it. So what is you guys' next step for your website? Like, do you guys have a next step or is this kind of, you guys are just holding on by the hordes to see where it takes you? No, we definitely have uh, goals and plans. Like what I, what I would really love is for us to be kind of like the queer Wikipedia meets IMDB of, of queer TV. Like that's what I would love to be. And also a media news outlet as well, just about television. That excites like, me. Yeah, I mean, there's so many great um, other websites out there that we absolutely admire. Um, but our focus is just television and streaming web, like any like streaming um, scripted uh, TV out there. Would you guys go so, into like video games? No. So not video games, right. not comic books, not theatrical released movies, because it's really important, I, I feel... Um, being a business person, you know, to focus on something and do that one thing really well versus trying to spread yourself too thin. That's when you start to get into trouble. And I think there's a space for us. You know, I think there's a space for a site that's focused only on television. Um, like there, you know, like there's a, a site similar to ours that, that is just comic books. And that's fantastic, you know, to be able to, to look up comic books and, and find comic books that you can relate to. Um or any other medium, you know? So I, I want to keep the focus on TV. I agree with you guys. And honestly, TV is expanding at such a crazy rate that it's like... Yeah, it's enough already. It's enough <laughs> it's <a lot>. already. <laughs> and then you guys and are doing have... web shows. Oh, you go ahead. Oh, yeah, we do web series as well. Um, anything that like streams on a small screen, we will do. That That is not a movie or not like reality television. Exactly. TV and movie are like two completely separate entities. Right. Oh, I love the, uh, the interview that you did with the, uh, the women who watch the movies. Gal Pals Watch, is that what they're called? Yeah, they're, they are adorable. Oh my gosh, I, lo- I loved it. I thought that was a great episode. They are so adorable. I hope to talk to them again soon because I find when having multiple people on, it's harder to get into somebody's life like it's Mm -hmm. the whole point of this podcast is to let people know that people like this exist and also to spread projects and it's just like that's why you're here by yourself Mm -hmm. because I want people to have more of a feel of you and the wonderful women behind the websites that you guys do like it's (laughs) like it's crazy like I think some people look at what you guys do and you guys are like I don't want to say the words god but oh my goodness (laughs) All right, but it's crazy, you guys. Exaggeration. <laughs> like, perhaps, perhaps I'm like buffing your ego just a little bit. <laughs> well, let's just, just, let's like let's bring it down. Let's like yes. just talk about me about a person, and we can all bring that down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you guys do so much, and it is such a magnificent. That's a fun word. It's such an important database and such an important use for people, because like. Every day, not even every day, I could count a point in my life where every day I would like sit there and try to find a TV show to watch that actually had gay people on there. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult. 
like to go through between the head cannons and you like the the wannabe queers and the people that are just thrown in front of the camera for a minute and then just to be taken yeah. away like two episodes later after that emotional connection is made. <laughs> it, get, it makes you very tired. Right. I think, you know, with our site, I think there are multiple ways to find the shows you want to watch, right? Because you have Nikki writing about news and writing about shows and, you know, that people are excited for and like, oh, that sounds really cool. Look at look at this actress who's, you know, hyping her character that's coming out on a show. Like, that's one way to find new shows. You can just search the database and, you know, do use the filters and find shows. And then, you know, Mika does the more in-depth writing and she covers also, she'll, she'll write about web series. And then I do my, my recaps every week. And I, I, I hope through all those different ways, whatever works best for you and your brain, you'll be able to find shows that you can watch with positive representation that makes you feel good about yourself and doesn't make you feel like you're a throwaway human being. I mean, that's, that's what drives me in this project. Also, I, I mean, I love TV. That's, that's <laughs> another thing, but I want, I want, people to see themselves. I want people like, like, you know, like straight people have had, have had the privilege of since birth, you know, yes. I want us to have that too. You know, we, we need our rom-coms too. And I'm waiting for more to happen. I just want more. I want to be able to go mm-hmm. into, well, I had to re re-amp this dream because I was about to say go into a video store, which those don't really exist anymore. <laughs> Let's return. Okay. I want to be able to search through the comedy section just any time of the year with my wife and be able to say, do you want to watch this one or this one or this one? And then all be yep. gay. Like the only question would be is basically which one we would want to watch more opposed to, right. well, this one's gay. Well, this one's straight. Well, this one has an interracial couple and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. Yeah. It's so sad. Like, well, TV has come a long way, but movies have not Ooh, like the theat- theatrically released movies, like just, are not there we don't you know love simon was a really sweet movie for uh you know gay dudes but when is that gonna happen for for us i have no idea or for you know non-cis gay men like when are we gonna have our like sweet transgender love story you know i would love that yeah i i don't know like i I'm hoping more of that happens. I think the success of Love, Simon, and also that was a, done by Greg Berlanti, who does all the Arrowverse shows, and, and you know, these these gay, out-gay showrunners and producers and creators, like, hopefully that will, you know, start to make more movies, theatrically released movies, happening. I but I don't know. know. Yeah. It feels like all of the lesbian rom-coms had like this one little niche point in like 2004 (laughs) and I'm waiting for that to be revisited yeah we will we'll be waiting for a long time (laughs) I mean I hope not but I feel like we have but I've kind of given up on movies you know because everything you know television is doing so much better yeah especially especially and there's like we're getting more airtime like, that is so freaking great, is that in a show that we actually have some shows that are not completely about us, but at the same time, we have a lo- just as much airtime as the straight people do. Right. I mean, Legends of Tomorrow is my big example. It's like, it when I was starting out doing my queerest things I watched last week, you would have, like, you know, 
maybe one kiss here, here or there, like the queer couple would be in a scene and it was easy to cover. Now I have to cover entire episodes of Legends of Tomorrow because Sarah is the captain. She's like the main character of the entire show and her relationship with Ava, um, you know, that can, if, if they're together in episode, it's in like throughout the whole episode. So it's a lot to write about. I mean, it's fantastic. But at the same time, it's, you know, more work for me, but I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to do it, you know? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, I gotta have to start watching that show. I just, I have, oh, so I have problems with committing to TV now since I broke off of it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a really funny story. Like, it's just something about when you move off into college and you have to buy your own TV and, like, you have to worry about cable plans, you finally are like, you know, maybe I can do without it. <laughs> and I, there's a funny story about there was one time when me and my wife were before we were actually married we were in a mm-hmm. hospital room and we were actually in like that that lovey-dovey phase mm-hmm. and we were <laughs> there was a tv behind us and we mm-hmm. were in the process of making out and all of a sudden <laughs> she pulls back and she's like are you watching tv <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not going to lie, I was. And from that moment, I was like, okay, I have to stop watching TV. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> anyway. You're not still in the lovey-dovey phase? You don't still make out in hospital rooms? No, I can't say that. That's something we do much anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, so, actually, here's a great segue into your more personal life with all the tv watching that you do like do you have issues making family time around that maybe not not issues just not the word do you guys contribute that into family time watching tv here is the perfect thing about my wife mia's and my um relationship we are both tv people she also loves television um so tv watching is is pretty i don't know it's pretty um integral to our relationship like quality time is spent watching shows that we really love together. Like last night we watched um, the finale of American Horror Story because um, that's a show we watched together. How was that? It was fun. It was fun. I mean, there there wasn't uh, this season. The only queer women were in for one episode and they both got killed like immediately <laughs> upon oh entering God. the house. Um, but it was fun. It was a fun campy season. And it was like a kind of like a mini crossover of all the different uh, American Horror Story seasons. Yeah, I've seen people's live tweets on that, but the last episode, for some reason, it's like I didn't see anything, and I was like, oh, wow, was it bad? It was, no, it was fun. It was fun. It was like all the women characters from all the seasons against one Antichrist character. I like how it's all the women against that Antichrist character. Yeah, one dude. Um, so that was fun. But I, the, I guess the times that maybe my TV watching hobby gets in the way of family time is when I have to live tweet and live gif a show. Like there are certain shows that I just have to leave whatever it is that we're doing and I have to watch a show live. Like Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, um, Charmed when it's on. Supergirl used to be that way, but there's been barely any gay on it anymore um they just put a trans trans character in there and there's still barely any gay like how do you do that well she's amazing she's like um she is my favorite part of the show right now because she's she's 
breathe new new life into the show in general. Like it was last year was just bad. Um, but I'm so excited for this character. And uh, as an actor, she's doing a phenomenal job. And I just cannot wait to see her put on a suit. Like that hasn't happened yet. Like we ha- it's been a real slow burn as to who she actually is and what her powers are and what she looks like in the suit. So I'm enjoying that part. I am super. I have to be real. I'm super excited for when they do the crossover with Batwoman. I'm still, I am still debating whether or not I have to like binge watch all of Supergirl to understand it, or if I can just like just jump in right. Now. I'd jump in if I were you. I would just jump in. Oh my god! Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really, really, really excited about that. I am I, so excited for that. I should calm down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for that, yeah. And 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 the most exciting part is that Mika and I are going to be in the same place at the same time uh, when on the first night. Holy cow! What yeah, is going so on? We're, we, it's this. It's the biggest WordPress conference in the United States, and so we go every year, and it's in Nashville this year. That's and, where you. That's uh, where you guys yeah. met the first time, right? Uh, oh, we met at WordCamp San Francisco. So WordCamps are the unofficial. WordPress conferences, WordPress right. being um, software used to build websites, um, and that we're we're, real, we're both really involved in that community. Um, we first met at WordCamp San Francisco, right, 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 two thousand thirteen. I have the whole like timeline down, but I don't know the exact date off the top of my head. But um, that's where we first met, yeah. But we're gonna be in WordCamp US um, the first Sunday night, so we're I'm trying to like organize some sort of watch party at the hotel. Like I'm hoping that the hotel will let us have a corner of like, you know, a a restaurant or a bar or or something, some public space where we can watch the show and invite people to come watch it. That's exciting. Yeah. That'd be so fun. I wish I could travel to Nashville, but no, I know. Uh Oh, yeah, little uh, Les Watch TV watch party in Nashville. I'm trying to make it happen. It, it may not. So I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but I'm trying to make it work. That's still really exciting. It's just like whenever you guys are together, it's just like there has to be like a gazillion photos. I don't know. <laughs> I need proof of this event. <laughs> yeah, it's fun because we get to, you know, when we're actually in the same place at the same time, we get to have almost like a little mini, it always turns to a little mini retreat uh, about the website itself and making plans and doing stuff and, you know, getting things done, like taking picture, pictures of the two of us together, um, that kind of thing. So it's always a good time. That's so cute. <laughs> I can find another word to describe this, but everything just sounds cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you, so you and your wife are huge TV people. So does that mean your daughter is a huge TV person? She, yeah, she likes TV too, but she's, you know, being younger, she likes YouTube more. That's fun and then also scary. Right. Yes, it is a little scary uh, because sometimes she'll go down a weird YouTube hole and, um, those suggested videos get really strange after a while. Exactly. Yeah. But she mostly keeps it too. She likes, um, Phil and Dan. I don't even know them. She's a big fan of theirs. Um, she's a big uh, Miranda Sings fan. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really into uh, videos where people make stuff, oh, which is nice. neat. Yeah, and also LPS, meaning Littlest Pet Shop uh, vi- um, videos. Like people make 
they use Littlest Pet Shop, these little toys, mm-hmm. and they actually have scripted shows featuring the little toys with editing and, and, and sound effects and special effects and everything. It's pretty cool. And she's also tried to make some of those on her own. And she's a really decent video editor, I have to say. Okay. Like she can, she, on her phone, she can whip together a video in like two seconds, like edited, like, you know, uh, with, with slow motion and sound effects. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. What does she use? She uses just the tools, like the tool, the native tools on an iPad or an iPhone. What? And, and she'll get some special apps. I think she has some special apps that do certain things, but um, it's just all on the iPhone. It's neat. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think kids, I think it's interesting and cool that kids prefer to watch like homemade produced shows. And then you can yeah. really see what you want to see. Yeah. That's of interest to you. I think I think that's that's also really great because in that process they're gonna hopefully they're gonna grow up and ask more of Hollywood and, and create and more. more. Yeah, yeah, and create more and be the Hollywood creators of the future and and create more diverse stuff. It's like not even a thing for them. It's like it's not, you know. I feel like for people our age is like we have a like for some reason we think reflecting like reality, which is a diverse world we live in, is somehow weird. And for people her age, it's it's life, you know, it's normal. It is real life, and it, it's they don't have this like hurdle to get over at all. So I'm I'm pretty uh, optimistic for the future. It's a good note. That is, that does leave like a nice warm feeling, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Future is a scary thought, but I guess I guess I I don't know much about. I was about to say kids these days. I <laughs> somehow you get really aware of how old you are sometimes. <laughs> but I guess after seeing all the things that people are doing, because I've been volunteering at local events and talking to a lot of different people, and just it's nice to see younger people really caring, especially with this last election season. Which I don't mm-hmm. particularly want to talk about that too much because the conversation no. gets too passionate and this room is too small for me to be yelling um, <laughs> right but it's it's nice to see people participating and that's yeah it I just give a lot of I, good hopes I'm a I'm a Gen Xer and I really I'm I'm really anti-age ageism mm-hmm. like I get so annoyed with my peers when they go down at kids these days millennial bashing rant and it's like uh do you not remember what we were like when we were 18 we weren't somehow more responsible we weren't like Mm -hmm. doing amazing things and what are we doing now it's like i you know i have friends my age who are doing cool things i have friends my age who are doing absolutely nothing you know they're and i have millennial friends who are executive directors who are entrepreneurs who are making things happen who are just way more I don't know, uh, accomplished than, than my peers were at their age. So I just, I don't, I really don't like, you know, categorizing people by age and thinking, oh, you're this age, you're this way then. Like that, that really, really bothers me. And at the same time, I'm totally proud of like my age, like I'll be 50 in two years. 
And I want to be really, yeah, right. And I want to be really out about it. I want to be really out that the fact that I'm 48 years old and like I, and I don't know, to me, age is a number like, um, I'd rather be old than dead. You know, I want to, I want to live to at least a hundred, you know, like uh, what's the alternative? Like, uh, you know, either you get older or you're dead and I'd want, I want to get older, you know, I want to experience like every phase of life, you know, and I want to be totally out about my age and I do not feel bad about it or weird or anything, you know? So that's my little anti-ageism rant. And I, and I'm, I'm, I'm the most critical of people my age, to be honest, because I'm like, you do you do you do not remember like what it was like to be a kid or what it was like to be you know like eighteen to thirty and you're going to criticize other people it's like it's so hypocritical and it's just a waste of time you know it's ridiculous so I don't think they remember the pressure back then either like there's just this weird thing that hasn't changed where it's like for some reason when you're younger you think you have to have everything figured out by like by the time you get out of college. Like it's, it's weird. And I've talked to younger people and the pressure is still there. And it's like, where does this come from? Yeah. We never have everything figured out until ever, you know, and it's okay. Like I'm constantly realizing that, you know, I think I know stuff. And then when I look back on it, I'm like, no, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. But you want to be always evolving. I think Mm -hmm. you want to have, like, I never want to have, I never want to be at a point in time where I'm like, oh, that time, that was the day. That's when I was happiest. That's when everything was great. I want to have adventures like every part of my life. You know, I want to keep learning new things and having new experiences and not thinking, oh, I can't do X, Y, Z anymore because now I'm in this phase of my life. Have you thought about doing like motivational speaking? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know. One thing thing I will say about being like middle age is that everything hurts for no reason. That's the only, that's the only downside. (laughs) I'm I'm glad to know that that's what I have to look forward to (laughs) because I'm already starting to get there and I'm just like, should I come up as a doctor? And it's like, "Mm, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, it just hurts. It's just like the way it is. It's cool. Yeah. Hey, you said, okay, so you once said you wanted to like talk about my personal life and you mentioned video stores. Um, yes. Mia, my, my wife, Mia and I met at a video store. This is a rom-com in the making. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, that was yeah, just like, that, that's the perfect lead up to, oh, we both love TV. We met at a movie store. That's <laughs> a I'm video sorry. store. Yeah. I'm sorry. Continue. Continue. So I worked at a video store, a local, locally owned video store chain here in Philly called TLA Video. And TLA Video was, uh, it was gay owned. And um, it had all the indie, cool, and queer, oh, my family just got home, so you may hear them in the Hi background. Um, <laughs> they They had all the, like, the cool movies, the indie movies, like, any gay movies that, like, were uh, out at all. We had them. And it was, like, the cool video store work at. And, you know, people come in and... And we were like all, you know, film geeks and film students and stuff like that. So I worked at this video store and Mia was a customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was getting trained and this is 1991, 92, 92. And I was getting trained by my friend and I, I distinctly remember the first time Mia came in. 
And at the time that I was getting trained, I was, I was telling my friend that like, it would be so great if like, um, you know, I start like, I, I met a customer and we started going out. I was telling him that story and that's when Mia came in. And then, and then for months she would come in, I tried to be like friendly and flirty and like smiley. And she would just like return her movie and leave. She wouldn't even look at me. She's like, pop, movie on the counter and leave. Boom. But so the backstory to that is. And this was, I guess I started working there in the summer. Oh, wait. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me use your room. Yes, don't go through anything. I won't go through anything, I promise. I love you. Bye. bye. What? I was telling her thank, bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, bye. I was just brought brought food and drink. That's very nice. adorable. I'm gonna leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. Um, um. So you know, little I. So you know, so she came in and ignored me. But what I didn't know is that she was going through a really rough dating situation at work. She had like dated this girl at work, and it was it turned out bad, and the the woman was like kind of stalkery and, and, and my poor wife, like she is the sweet, she's my, my wife is very sensitive. She's very sweet. She's also, um, I don't know. She just tries to always be a really good person. And, and for the first time in her life, she decided to have this kind of office fling. And she's also like just serial monogamous and like, she, that's not her at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so she decided to have this office fling and it just went terrible. Like the, in, the worst way you can imagine. So she was dealing with that and that's why she was not looking up or looking at anybody else, you know? Um, and she's also really sensitive. So that whole situation affected her like in a big way. And so that was summer. And then I remember finally in October, we have this thing in Philly called Outfest and I saw her there. I, w- I was uh, in the, uh, the queer student union at Temple university. I was like co-chair of it at the time I was still in college. Um, and I was on the stage and like making announcements about, you know, our events. And I saw her in the crowd, but I didn't get to talk to her. And then later that day, I was back at work. I had to leave early to go to work. And then she came in and I said, like, oh, how was the rest of Outfest? And she finally started talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was October, like beginning of October. And we start and she she asked me out on a date, like November 9th. So that was you like remember a month. the exact date. I do remember the exact date. Yeah. You remember <laughs> the exact date. Me and my wife had to get a plaque made to remember the date because neither one of us could freaking remember it. Wow. I'm terrible. I'm terrible at the legal wedding date. Like I, cause you know, when you're, when you're queer, like you, you don't have that wedding anniversary. It's always like when you first started dating anniversary. So that date, November 9th, which we just hit like 26 years, like wow. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Last week? Last week, yeah. Um, so that date, I remember clear as day, but the wedding date, I'm like, uh, what <laughs> What day is it? And how many years has it been? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> how how do I grow up to be like you, Tracy? Tell me that. Give me your secrets. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so. Yeah, but so that's our meet cute. There's a, there's a personal story for you. I absolutely adore it. 
I love hearing how people meet. I love hearing how people got together. And I just, that is adorable. That should be a rom-com. That sounds like a rom-com. Minus. Because you have you have the drama of the, you know, the office thing. And also, you know, her and I, we had these previous parallel lives, like almost a year before we started going out, we both went through huge breakups with like the longest relationship of our lives up until then. Like I was, I was in a relationship for almost three years and she was in a relationship for four years. And then, you know, living our separate lives, we had both broken up with these people, you know, and then spent a year kind of dating and doing whatever. And then met a year later and started going out. So the timing was good. We were ready. We were both like, you know, ready from our previous relationships to be in a new one. You guys are so cute. <laughs> and you guys have you you guys have some age between you two. Oh, not much. Four and a half years. But That's I, I have to say, like when, you know, she was about to turn 27 and I was 22 when we first started going out, which is like I was 22 and still in college and like still like a you know, a bum and like not very, <laughs> not very responsible. And she, you know, had already graduated and had a real salaried job. Oh yeah. So that, there's a big difference yeah. there. So we are in different lives, but you know, we're both very similar in how we think about life and stuff. I'm glad you two met. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> so, so you've been together for 29 years and now 26, 26. 26. I don't know dates. Excuse me. It's okay. <laughs> and then you guys decided, when did you guys decide to have a daughter? Um, trying to think like the exact date. So, well, you know, I, I never wanted, I was not the kind of person who ever wanted to be married and have kids and neither was Mia. Like that just wasn't part of our, you know, it, like when people think of what they want to do when they grow up, I just, never had any interest in that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And then when I hit like 34, I did not think that this was a real thing that happened, but I, my biological clock went off and I was like obsessed with wanting a baby, not necessarily wanting to have a baby, but just wanting a baby, like wanting to have a kid. It was weird. I mean, it, it really happened. It went from, yeah, whatever to like this desperate want for, to have a baby. It's very strange. I, I think I can slightly understand that. My wife went through that for a little bit, and then mm-hmm. we got a horse, and then it went away. <laughs> there you go. She just, <laughs> she just wanted a baby horse. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, so then I uh, we started talking about it, and we started going to all of our friends who – and Mia never wanted to have a kid. She just, like, flat out just, like, had no interest. So I started working on her, you know, and then we started talking to our friends with kids and our lesbian friends with kids. And I don't know, she just got on board. And then, yeah, first we were considering adoption because neither of us actually wanted to be pregnant. Um, and And at the same time, ironically, I had a lot of straight friends who were adopting. And I was seeing, number one, it's really expensive. Yeah. And number two, um, I saw the heartbreak they were going through because they would just like get a match and then they'd fly all the way down to Florida. And then at the last minute, the grandmother would intervene and kick them out and it fell through. And I just I saw the roller coaster of devastation going on. And I 
I'm like, ah, oh, I don't, I can't do that, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm like, all right, all right. I will take one for the team and I will get pregnant. Like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> like, I, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to see this. I'm going to look at this like a physical challenge. I'm going to do it. Let's do this. We're doing it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so last time we talked, you talked about how TV gets it wrong 100% of the time. Yeah, maybe you, 99, but yeah. Why don't you walk us through the process that you guys went through and like lay a little, lay a little knowledge on us. Sure. So when the thing that about television is that whenever you have a same sex female couple and now you're going to try to have a baby, they always go to either IVF, which stands for in vitro fertilization or like, you know, quote, like test tube baby. Or they actually have sex with a man. And I have to say, those two options are not step one. Number one, like the sex with a man. I'm, I, like, I don't know anyone in my life who's done that. That's just not a thing that happens. Like, I'm sure it's it's maybe happened out there in the world. Um, but on TV, you would think it happens all the time. Which is so anyway. strange because, you know, you don't get pregnant every time you have sex with a man. Like, could you imagine doing that and then it not working? <laughs> that would be awful. Well, I don't even want to think about it. Um, not, not, to, not to, you know, shame anyone who likes doing that. But like, uh, but yeah, no, that, no, it just doesn't, it's not Same. a thing that happens. Um, and then in vitro fertilization is that by the time you're at that point for no matter what your sexual orientation, it's because you have fertility problems. It's because you have tried other ways and nothing's, and you know, there are many levels of fertility treatments um, that you can go through until you're at the point of in vitro where you're, you know, you're taking drugs to produce a lot of eggs. They harvest your eggs out of your body and then they um, fertilize your eggs with sperm like in a, a petri dish you know and then that develops embryos and then you freeze that embryos and you take those embryos and you know you implant them and you try that is end of the road that is when everything else has been tried and failed and that is really hard and expensive and i've seen friends i have seen friends straight mostly straight friends go through that process and it's really hard it's not step one like they have it be on tv so what actually happens when uh, a queer couple decides to have kids, it's like you have these choices, like do you adopt? Um, and then there's like open adoption, foster to adopt, closed adoption. Or if you actually want to try to get pregnant, your first question is, do you want to use a known donor or an anonymous donor? Because just because I'm a lesbian doesn't mean that suddenly my uterus doesn't work, you know? Right. It's like the only fertility problem that Mia and I had is that she doesn't make sperm, you know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, so we got to get the sperm. So you have that decision. Do you go with a known donor or do you go with an anonymous donor? Do you go with a friend or a relative or, or something like that um, that you know and have a relationship with in real life? Or do you get, you know, quote, man in a can? Do you go through a sperm bank and, <laughs> you know, order up some sperm and, and have it done either at home or in a, in a hospital? Uh, uh, doctor's office. And that's, that's step one, not in vitro. So that's my, that's one of my biggest complaints about how TB handles, um, it trying to conceive or TTC. That's what we, we call it 
when you're trying to get pregnant. I find it interesting. It's almost like TV goes through these tropes of how uh, women, like queer couples get pregnant. And it was mm-hmm. like in the 90s, it was all turkey baster jokes. And mm-hmm. it's like all you know, this- but- the turkey baster is actually more accurate. It, not that you use a literal, literal turkey baster, but that method of getting pregnant, that's how I got pregnant. It's well, like there the, we go. yeah, the quote, the quote, tur- turkey baster. I mean, that joke is way more accurate than, you know, going to in vitro or just sleeping with a dude like, uh, like on, um, shameless. I was so angry at shameless because they had a lesbian couple on that show and one slept with the donor she's like oh i lost my gold star lesbian status for this and i'm like number one there's so many things wrong with that whole sentence but like yes yeah and then the other one had ivf with the same donor and it's like what is that doesn't make any sense i was so mad um but uh yeah so the way so what we did is um my wife has two brothers and we asked both brothers if they would be consider being donors. And one said yes and one said no. And the one that said yes looks the most like my wife. So it worked out. Goals. And yeah. And so uh, my wife's brother is our donor. So our kid looks like us. Um, she had all her uh, grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles, they're all her biological, not that biology matters, but like just it happens to be that they are all her biological cousins and family. And she, she looks like her cousins because, you know, she's biologically cousins with her cousins. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful to hear though. Yeah. And it worked out really well. And, you know, we, she's known that her uncles are donor from birth. Like, that was always part of the little story that we told her, you know, of, like... How did you tell her that story? Well, it's, like, uh, the way, you know, when you... You know, there was no immaculate conception, so you... So you, you know, when you have a kid with, you know, two women, it's, like... uh, For me, I I practice um, radical honesty. Um, So the little story that we would tell her is, like, oh, mom and I wanted to have a baby, but two women can't have a baby, so we asked your uncle Robert. And he said, yes. And then he donated his sperm and then, you know, here you are. And so that was always the little story she was told since she was little. And for her, it is not a thing. It's like, it's not weird. It's just, it's almost nothing, you know? Like I I actually asked her the other day if she felt like she had a special connection to um, her uncle. She's like, yeah, but it's not like a it's, it's not weird at all, you know, to her and everyone knows, like, so we've just normalized the whole thing into her, you know, like, and, and also we're, you know, we're supportive if she does feel like she wants to have a special connection to him as well, because I feel like when you're another thing with, with, uh, trying to conceive is that you you want a baby so bad that you don't think of the kid having the right to know where they come from you know, when, when they're adults, like, I, I, like, I think you're just, I want to have a baby and you're not, you're not thinking about that. So with us, it's like, we've always let her know that she's allowed to have any kind of relationship that she wants with her donor. Like that's, that's for you. Like, we don't want to have an influence in that. 
we don't want to say like, oh, he's not your dad or, you know, I mean, like anything like that, like however you want to define that it's, that's not for you to do, not for us to, you know, try to control. That's really interesting. And I have to admit, I've never thought about that either. Mm -hmm. But that's really interesting. And see, that conversation wasn't so hard. People complain all the time. They're like, how am I supposed to tell my kids about this? Kids can take in pretty much anything. Like, they can figure it out. Yeah, you you say, like, you frame it as, like, an age-appropriate, truthful story. And as they grow up, it, you know, you, you let them have more information if they want it. Like if, if there are questions, then you answer them honestly in in an age appropriate way. Yeah. I mean, it's like you can get kids to understand the concept of the tooth fairy and Santa Claus, but for some reason telling a kid about like how, how they came to be in the world. (laughs) What? Yeah. So difficult. What? You can tell about the stork. Really? Uh, I don't Yeah. I don't. And mis- min- misinformation is dangerous. It's like I that it leads you to making poor choices as an adult when you don't have all the right information, and it leads to more angst and and you know conflict when you're not given like truthful information all along the way. Anyway, that's my that's what I believe. No, I completely agree. Like you do you like from when I was in school, sex education is awful. It doesn't teach anything. I can only imagine what it was like when you were in school. And they're yeah, still no, teaching the same thing. They have not like terrible, terrible uh, uh, film strips, and they would pass around these like ginormous uh, pads with huge belts attached to them. <laughs> like that was our sex education in uh, the eighties. Well, it was pretty bad. Mine was less, <laughs> less so. There wasn't even TV. What they did was they sent out a bunch of books that had like physical pictures of what STDs looked like and what it did oh, to boy. you, and that was kind of it. <laughs> Just scare, scare tactics. Yeah, that's, that's all they did. But, of course, conservative Texas, that's all they think works. They're like, abstinence will save you. I'm like, <laughs> no. But anyway. back, to the, back to the turkey baster joke. So that is <laughs> the, the method that when you have a known jo- donor, it's not a turkey baster. It's a needless syringe. But that's what you use. And you can just do it at home. That See, now... I think there's way more potential comedy and entertainment in the actual way that uh, queer women get pregnant versus what they do on TV. Because there are some pretty funny stories. Like, what movie uh, we were, should I, I think watch we, that had that in it? There what? was a movie I watched, maybe it was a TV show, so a while ago, not a while, it was like over like a couple of years, that had that joke in it. And mm-hmm. I, it was hilarious. I laughed about it a lot. What movie was it? Oh, no. I think it it wasn't wasn't eulogy, although that couple was really funny in that movie. I'll have to look it up and find it because <laughs> my repertoire of movies I've watched with lesbians in it is quite big and not all good. Like I would <laughs> and say, I am, it's awful. By the way, I have to say I am disappointed you have not watched The Hunger. <gasps> no, get on that, get on that. Oh my goodness, it's so good. I have been burned so many times by movie by movies with. Very, like, oh, queer vampires are, like, my drug, and I've been burned so many times by those movies. So many times. Mm-hmm. Watch The Hunger. I'll put it on Sometimes. my list. It's on but my list. Anyway, ba- good. I'm glad. <laughs> anyway, back to the... Turkey basters. Um, the turkey baster, yeah. Seasonal. Like, so, there, we, um, it was, like, four months 
three tries. That's how long we were trying to TTC. Um, and the third time was a charm. But in, in those, you know, three tries, there were so many hilarious moments. Like one time, you know, cause we, you know, when your, your ovulation window is like brief and, you know, when you have to do the inseminations. And so we, you know, we would just say like, okay, you got to come over, you know, and it was like, you know, the way, the way it happened was pretty funny. We would like leave the house and walk the dog and then come back. And like, you know, it was, of course it's awkward and weird, but that's, that's, that's comedy, right? That's like hilarious entertainment. And one time we had, there was a whole pack of lesbians, friends, and we were all going to DC to see the Dalai Lama. But before that, that morning we had to do an insemination, but the whole car full of lesbians knew what, what was, you know, that we were, they all knew that we were trying to conceive and, uh, they came like too early and we were like, okay, you got to drive around the block. Like, you know, and, but everybody was like, but don't, you know, don't let me, his brother know that, you know, because he'll be embarrassed. And like, and so they had to like, but they, it was just so funny. It was just hilarious. That's also the, that's the cycle that worked too. Um, but there were just a lot of, you know, hijinks, like, like funny uh, coincidences and, you know, uh, like one time at the time Mia's brother's girlfriend did not know that we were trying to conceive and we, it was his birthday and she had planned like a surprise dinner for him. Um, but we also had planned an insemination before the dinner. So he was going to dinner. We knew he was going to dinner, but it was a surprise that we were going to dinner. But then we were all meeting up before the dinner. And then we were like, after a while, he's like, so where are you guys going? I'm like, we, we just all confessed that like, you know, we're all, we all know we're going to dinner. Okay. So, but, but it was weird to show up at the same time anyway. So we get to dinner and, and, uh, uh, Mia's brother's girlfriend is like, she had a dream that she was pregnant or something. She had a dream. She was pregnant. She's like, She's like, you know, if I ever get pregnant, the two of you can have the baby looking at me and I, and we're just like, and then me and Mia and her brother, were all just looking at each other like, oh, what is happening right now? <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of room for entertainment around the real actual way that, you know, queer women get pregnant. If that scene is not entered into like the new L Word series, if there's something, does anyone know if that's actually happening? I don't know, but if that's not in there, I think it is. I'm, yeah, I think it still is. I'm gonna call that show canceled because that's just like, why is that not in there? <laughs> right, and um, also, even if you don't use a known donor, if you use um, uh, if you use an anonymous donor, where you're getting like frozen sperm that has to thaw, and then you know you inseminate with a is like with frozen sperm you usually don't do turkey baster because the the sperm is weaker when it's been frozen and thawed so you do what's called IUI which is when it's like inter uh uterine insemination so when you're doing turkey baster it's IVI you know you're just sticking it up there you know uh pushing the plunger and it's and that's what happens um but when you have frozen sperm, you do IUI. So it's like a thin, it's, it's a syringe with a really thin um, tube that goes right into your uterus. So you're surpassing the vagina going and putting the sperm right into the uterus to give it a, a head start, like a better chance. And, a and that, you, yeah, that you can do at home or it's often done in a doctor's office. But I feel like there's, there's, 
you know, funny stuff to happen there too. Like the whole going through the database and picking a dude and, you know, uh, you know, there could be like backstories about, you know, kind of imagining what this uh, donor is like and, you know, getting at like the arrival of like a big, you know, frozen, cause people do, they do it at home sometimes. And they do try doing IVI with frozen sperm cause it, it still can work, but it's just the chances aren't as good. Um, I don't know, like the arrival of like a tank of, you know, a frozen tank of sperm, like that could be funny too. Like, I think there's just, there's room for entertainment there. It's interesting explaining that to somebody. <laughs> right. You're like, uh, like, oh, what's that? You know? I, yeah. I think there's a comedy gold in TTC. Just saying. I think there could be, I'm going to find that movie that I watched. I'm going to, and I'm, I, I guess I'll show it to you just to show you there's proof that that is in a movie somewhere. <laughs> I think it's a very short scene. I can guarantee you it's less than 10 seconds long. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like that's, I mean, there, there is opportunity and a lot of funny stuff for just almost any aspect of a relationship that I feel like they're just passing up on because they're afraid the joke's not going to take. Right. Or they're just, I don't, I don't know what these show writers are doing. I don't, I think they're not talking to a single queer consultant about how queer women actually have babies or make their families, you know, it's probably or, some... or queer, queer people in general, like how are our families made? No one's actually done any research to find out how it's actually done. They just make up these ridiculous plots. And they think that it's all fun and dandy. Can guarantee you they don't yes. see a single problem with what they just did. No, I bet they doesn't even cross their mind. Oh, we should have actually gotten some facts first. Before, before doing this. And another thing that, that bugs me is now when you've actually had the kids, they keep getting it wrong. Like uh, Grey's Anatomy, not to diss Shonda Rhimes, I love her. She is a, a national treasure. But, uh, you know, Kelly and Arizona's kid, there's just been so many legally wrong plot, you know, plots that have gone on in that show. And it just, I'm like... Will somebody please like get some facts first before they start writing this what, stuff. What have they done? Because I'll be real, I haven't seen that show in forever. Right. So uh, you know, I'm like when two people of the same sex have a baby uh, or or a kid, what usually has to happen is that the non non biological uh, parent has to second parent adopt the kid. So then you become the two legal parents of the kid. Um, here in, in, in Philly, like I actually had to adopt her at the same time that Mia did. So I had to go through a background, background check. Even though you gave <laughs> birth to her? Even though I gave birth to her, we both, the two of us, like, I don't know, I don't know what hoop this was, but we both had to adopt her at the same time together, even though she's my biological child. Um, so I had to do a background check. We had to go to court. I mean, it's okay. I'm okay with that because like, I, you know, I don't complain about having to go through extra hoops because we are making a family, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I, I feel actually privileged that we get to both be on her birth certificate and be her legal parents. So I'm not complaining, but, but, but that's what happens. Like you, the two parents are the legal parents of the kid, but on TV, they don't treat it as if you're talking about two legal parents. Like when Kelly and Arizona were going through a custody battle they were treating Arizona as if she was not the legal parent of her kid. 
And I number one, I think it's super disrespectful. Number two, it's just legally inaccurate. So that that bugs me too about TV that and queer really parenting. Weird. Yeah, that's like that's like super 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 rude. It's rude and and wrong, you know. And I, uh, I yeah, I'm like somebody, please talk to a lawyer first before you start writing this stuff. And there's going to be like hundreds of people who are going to watch that, and they're going to think that's accurate. Yeah, they're going to think that's that's the way it is. I mean, that's that's an unfortunate state of TV. Seeing is believing, and they believe since they've seen it that that's that's what it is, and they hardly question like the whole thing about you could suck snake venom out of somebody's leg as long as you do it like right after they're bitten that circled around for so long and it is there's nothing accurate you're just gonna die. Oh, really that's not true no no <laughs> tracy really no no i don't know i've never had to like i've never had anybody i know be bit by a venomous snake so <laughs> okay well it's it's not true because it goes into your veins really fast so no amount oh. of sucking would get it out you need you need antivenom it will not help you um, the whole, if you're both underwater and you breathe air into someone's mouth, you'll be okay thing is also kind of strange because that's... Well, that's carbon monoxide, right? It's, not, it's not oxygen. So how does that <laughs> help? And that circled around for a really long time, too. And it's just... Yeah. People see things and they think that's the way it is. Like, if anything wrong happens to a person, period, you have to immediately do CPR. <laughs> like, okay. Right. <laughs> like I'm yeah for it for the you know for my personal experience in life um and you know the way it, you know queer parenting is completely inaccurate on television I have people asking me and assuming the wrongest things about and also asking me inappropriate questions bring it bring because, it to the podcast let's go yeah like uh <laughs> he'll be like oh are you her natural mother I'm like what are what you talking about no she's she's mean? a she is a cyborg that we created in the closet. Like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> I've had people ask me about IVF, and I'm like, you no. know, just because I'm a lesbian doesn't mean that my uterus stops working. You know, like I, I I'm lucky. You know, I'm lucky that I would had didn't have fertility issues. You know, I, I know I'm. You know, that's a privilege, and not everybody has that. But like, don't assume that I because I'm a lesbian. This for some reason I automatically have fertility issues. Beyond, you know, me and not making sperm. Mm -hmm. um, and I, uh, yeah. Or like, which one of you is, you know, they just assume that I adopted her. They assume that um, all kind of things. And I, I have to say, I'm the kind of person that is tolerant of people asking me questions. Um, like I do want people to have correct information, but then when they're asked really rudely and, ignorantly it is annoying like I had my Lyft driver asking me questions as if I was trying to cross into Canada on the handmaid's tail um what? like asking me uh, like asking me all these questions about how she was conceived and like and all I did was mention like you know with chatty Lyft drivers as you do I mentioned my wife and kid that's all it's like any human would do you know making chit chat in the car with your Lyft driver. And he just went into this whole, like asking me all these questions. It's like, how, why do you think you have the right to just start asking me these personal questions? Not that I am, I know, I understand people are curious. They want, and I, I do want to give people accurate information, but at the same time, it's like, 
you're my Lyft driver. Just get me to where I'm going, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, how would you, let's be real. I just literally asked you the same question of how that happened. But I, how would you say to somebody, what are the words I'm looking for? There are words here. What, um, what kind of, how would you think people should phrase that question if they wanted to ask? Yeah, or is this more of, yeah. How would you frame the question? To be like the least insulting. Well, number one, I guess you should ask somebody is like, oh, is it okay if I, you know, can ask you questions about your family? Like number one, like some people may just not want to do that at all. You know, there's, which is totally valid. So I guess the first question would be like, is it okay if I ask you a question about you know, how your family came to be. And then I would just, I would just frame it like that. Like, how did you come to be a family? You know, like, cause it could be adoption. It could be, um, I I've had like, I've had friends who did run into fertility issues and they harvested the eggs of one woman, um, and then put the embryos into the other mom. So you have a biological mom and a birth mom. So there, there are ways in which, you know, there are all, all different kinds of ways in, in how our families come to be, you know. So I think I would phrase it that way instead of getting, like, too personal, you know, asking a too personal question from off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, it, I think that's, a yeah. Really, that's a really good way to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, but when to like, uh, you know, I, I don't even do this for when I meet other queer moms. Like I don't just start launching into, although if it does get to that point, then it, then we all just have our, you know, code like, Oh, did you do TTC? Did you use KD, AD, da, da, da. So it's all like acronyms and like, you know, uh, when you're, when you're with, you know, other couples with kids. Yeah. But, you know, even, even when I meet, you know, other queer parents, I don't, I just feel like that's not my business, how their kid came. At the same time, it's also not your business, you know, how their kid came to be. That's true. But if it started, what if it starts, but you know, going down that road, usually like, you know, moms will like talk about it openly. Yeah. There's like a code that when a bunch of women get together, there's usually some sort of comparison going on period. (laughs) Would you say that was true? maybe or just I guess openness and sharing like a you know frame it that way but here's another here's another funny thing it's like oh 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 so uh, another in back to like me being a nerd on the internet um Mm -hmm. when I started TTC I was on this website called Fertility Friend and this website allowed you to chart your cycles and know when you're um ovulating and it was really handy it was a great website and on this website were message boards and me being an internet person, I went to the message boards. And I'd say 97% of these message boards were straight women, conservative, oh, you know, uh, lots of dust, uh, like baby dust gifts and, you know, religious gifts. Not that, you know, that religion's bad, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it was not, not like a place I would necessarily feel welcome, but... In the tiny little corner of this message board, there was a message board called TTC with donor sperm. And on that little world of this message board, it was like flipped. It was like 90 some percent queer women 
And there was some uh, straight women, for whatever reason, their husbands or partners had, male partners had fertility issues um, and were trying to conceive a donor sperm. And this little world was like, uh, I made some of the best friends of my life in that little message board. And everyone was so supportive. And that's, that's where I learned the most about like, what kind of syringes to use, what, you know, different, not, like, techniques in order for it to be successful. And with these uh, women on this board, we bulk bought <laughs> a box of needless syringes and then shared them with each other. And we lived all over. We lived all over the world. There were some people in England and Europe and um, Canada and United States and all over the United States. Um, and so we, you know, we pulled our mind together and like bought the box of syringes and then shared them with each other. And then after we were done with the box, I passed them along to my friends here in Philly who were trying to conceive. So I don't know. That's another kind of story that's cool. And to this day, I'm still friends with a lot of those folks, a lot of those women from, uh, from that message board. And we called ourselves the IVP, the internet vagina posse. Oh my God. have an IVP group on Facebook and oh we still chat with each other there. Yeah. We've moved off of that message board and onto Facebook, but, um, yeah, I've, there's some of my, like, I guess that was to 2004, five when I started joining that because she was born in 2006. So I probably 2004. And another neat thing is that we, a lot of us got pregnant at the same time and now, and our kids have met each other. Like we, we used to have these meetups and um, and our kids would meet one another and, and now they're all like, you know, about to be teenagers. So we've seen, you know, just through the internet, I've seen pictures of these kids get older and, you know, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's really, that's, that's amazing and hilarious. I love hearing how people meet. <laughs> like, do you guys have t-shirts made? <laughs> Oh, uh, probably at one point, uh, definitely the IVP. I, I feel like we've had IVP stuff made over the years. That definitely. sounds like a most hilarious inside joke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, I can't imagine how that looks from an outsider point of view. <laughs> I can't even. Right. And, you know, another neat, another neat thing about all these, uh, you know, queer women and straight women allies and, um, you know, and, and queer pairings of all kind, like, women with, uh, uh, like who are partnered with transgender men and for whatever reason, like they needed to use donor sperm. Like it brought all these like diverse people together to try to help each other, you know, with education and, you know, just also just kind of like cheerleading and support. And, and then after, you know, we started having these babies, it was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? You know, like we were helping each other with parenting in general. And now that we're about to all have teenagers, it's a whole new world of like support and what we need support for. So yeah, I really, it's my most, uh, it's my longest internet community relationship in my life. That's so cute. That is so fantastic. It's really great that people are there for each other like it's wonderful and it's so nice to hear in this kind of bleak world you know <laughs> okay um so I guess we should wrap up your 
your family is in need for you and the cats will only stay quiet for so long. So <laughs> we both have smaller obligations. Um, so do you have anything you want to plug or any following notes? Oh, actually, scratch that. I do have something, uh, something new that I'm trying out. Uh, it's okay. kind of a guest-to-guest questionnaire kind of thing. Uh, I've asked my last guest a question that she would like me to ask this one. And I'm going to pass on this question to you, and you will bring me a question that you would like me to pass on to the next one. Kind of cheating, because you know who my next guest is going to be, but... Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, anyway. (laughs) Ooh, how can I troll Mika with my question? (laughs) i got to think about this. And she won't even hear this until later, because this doesn't come out until the 30th, so... Right. (laughs) So she will not know. Um, Okay, so the question my last guest had... um, was kind of vague and I, I don't think I worded it quite correctly for her, but she asked what would be, what it basically is your favorite queer thing, which it's kind of a unfair question to ask. <laughs> so my critical thinking, queer, what's your favorite queer thing? My favorite queer thing is just being queer in general. Like I think, I, like sometimes I watch um, I was watching uh, a segment on Sunday morning about conversion therapy Ooh. and listening. Yeah, listening to all these homo- people saying these homophobic things. And when I see this, I just think I do not feel like they're talking about me personally. Like I, I just don't have a connection with it being so negative because I think being queer is so much fun. Like I think it's fun. I think we're privileged by um, – getting this other view of life. We don't take like life for granted. Um, I love the community. I love that, you know, pretty much anywhere you go, you can find community and you can find things in common with people and we'll look out for each other and help each other. Um, and that you get to live this life where you make up your own rules. Like there's no, I mean, things are changing, but you know, there's no, rules set up for us. Like, I feel like when you're straight, even if you don't buy into it, you're expected to do X, Y, Z and get on the train of heterosexuality where you start with, you know, getting married and then you have kids and then you blah, 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 and, and, and families expect this of you and society expect this of you. And it's hard to break out of that if you don't want to play that game. But for us, no one expects anything from us. They expect the worst from us, right? They, they oh, expect us to have these like sad lives or we'll be lonely, but that's just not true. It's like, I think it's, it's freeing and fun to be able to make up your own rules and live the life you want. Uh, and also like, uh, we don't have the same gender stereotypical expectations of on our relationships as you do on straight relationships. Like when, especially when it comes to parenting, it's like the bar for dads is so low, unfortunately low, you know, like, you know, like commercials and stuff, you see a dad having a magical moment with their kid and it's so special when on the other hand, like, you know, stereotypically moms are expected to be X, Y, Z with their kids. And for the straight, the straight parents that I know, it's hard to break free of those roles that have been imposed on you by society and but for us it's not a battle things just fall where they fall it's like Mia is definitely now I and to rewind a little bit like uh Mia was the one who never wanted to have kids 
she is nat- 10,000 times naturally a better parent than I am. Wow. She's more patient. It's true. It's just true. It's okay. I don't feel bad about it. It's true. It's just truth. Um, she's more patient. She's just better at it. She, She's intuitively more better at being a parent than I am. I'm more like stereotypical fun dad. Like I'm, you know, I do more yelling. I, I, I'm not creative in my parenting at all. Like I, you know, um, uh, you know, if she wakes up at night, I'm just like, go back to bed. And then Mia will like, you know, <laughs> she's much more comforting, you know, I think it's because I was raised with a tiger mom, but a tiger um, mom. Yeah. But like, you know, wherever things fall for us, that's where they fall. Right. Like when you're in a same sex couple, it's like, Oh, I like to grill and someone's and you know, the other person likes to cook. It's not because I'm the dude and, and I'm expected to do this and you're the woman and you have to do this. It's like, it just, things happen where they happen. And I find that so freeing and fun. I, I think it's, I think we're lucky. I mean, I, I'm, I feel lucky that I got the you know, won the, the genetic lo- or biological lottery and was born a lesbian, you know, personally, because I find it to be fun, a fun life and not like a sad or lonely life at all. So that's what I like best about queerness. And then like when you, you know, the diversity of the queer community and all the gender and sexual orientations, I think it's magic. I think it's beautiful. I think, uh, you know, they say the future is female, but I think the future is fluid, you know, like I, especially I see it with my daughter and her friends. It's like, it's just not a, not a thing. It's like everybody's on, you know, on the gender and sexuality spectrum and it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's nothing to get to argue about. It just is. And it's beautiful. I love it. Woo. I love it. <laughs> I love your answer. I love everything about your answer. That was great. I should just have big questions all the time. <laughs> That was beautiful. We need to yeah, put that I, on a postcard somewhere. It'd be a huge <laughs> postcard, but put it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I love being queer. I love it's. It, I feel. I feel absolutely hashtag blessed that I, <laughs> you know, lucked out and, you know, am a part of this community. I especially love the whole won the biological lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> feel like that should be a trophy. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations, your queer. <laughs> okay, so what question would you have for our next guest? It's kind of cheating. You know who it is. But mm. just... Oh, my goodness gracious. What should I ask? Gosh, this is a tough one. Um, I feel like... It should be something about her going to an all-women's boarding school. There has to be stories there, right? Oh, my God. Like, what's your wackiest story from going to an all-women's boarding school? Mika has, like, the best stories. I mean, yeah. the, the most bizarre. I'm not saying that you don't, because I loved your turkey-baster <laughs> jokes. Those were hilarious. <laughs> that was the best. Needs to go into a book of chicken noodle soup for the soul. Um, is there a book of that yet? Because they have books for everything. Is there a chicken noodle soups for the queer soul? There has to know. be. If there, oh, there is not, be. I want to sue because that is mm-hmm. um, that is. Or you crime. should write it. You should write it. OMG, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it needs to be a thing. I'm calling mm-hmm. out to the queer universe. Make a chicken noodle soup for the soap. I don't know. It's already yeah, stopped I think, me. Uh, I said no. 
Mika has this very interesting and unique childhood, which leads to some cool stories. I mean, the yacht full of Playboy Bunny models right. that just told right. her she needed to go into computers is like... <laughs> That's the best. I love that. You can't make this stuff up. Yeah. I should um, put that in my keynote. You should. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so her story is just to give us a story of something from her all... The wackiest story that she has from being in all-female boarding school. All right. I will make that a note. And luckily, I'm interviewing her later today, so I will remember it. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So anything else you want to share? Do you want to plug in where people can find you? All the fun stuff? Sure. Um, As always, please visit our website, which is leswatch.tv. Um, where you'll find lots of information on uh, queer TV shows. Uh, our everything is at TV, and that's Tumblr, Instagram, um, Twitter. We spend most of our time on Twitter. Uh, and personally, you can follow me on Twitter at Lil Jimmy, L-I-L-J-I-M-M-I. Cute. <laughs> and do you, where do you guys buy merch? Is it on your website or was it somewhere else? Uh, have merch yes i know you have stickers we have stickers oh so we are very we are pretty close we're within 50 more followers of 2,000 followers on twitter and when we hit 2,000 um we're gonna do a merch giveaway of <gasps> stickers and pins yep so and it's just and it's super easy just dm us and we'll give you stickers and pins for oh, free gee. what yes how are yes. you guys so giving? You make this website without asking anything of the people at all. How are you so giving in life? I don't know. We come, we both come from a, the open source community, which is like meaning open source means you make software for everyone and anyone can contribute to it and it's free and anybody can use it. And I think we just, we both have that philosophy ingrained in us that we have to give back to the community and we have these skills and we enjoy doing it. So we love doing it. That's beautiful you're beautiful people (laughs) just let all your friends know if you want your ego stripped go to this podcast apparently (laughs) but anyway thank you so much for coming back on tracy it was so great to talk to you and i feel like i learned a lot like a lot a lot like i will be real i know nothing about how babies are made Mm-hmm. straight or otherwise I'm joking I know too much about <laughs> um, but that I feel like that was really educational that's something that people don't really talk about unless you're specifically looking for it right um, you, you have to dig to find all that knowledge if you you know it's just not common knowledge because you know there's so much misinformation out there so I'm glad I could I could uh, provide that service today and um, thank you very much for inviting me back it's always a pleasure of course and I guess we should say goodbye. I have a hard time saying goodbye to people lately. (laughs) Anyway, but it was really great talking to you. And I hope we get to meet each other finally at Clexicon. Will you be at the next one in Las Vegas? Absolutely. And so will Mika. And hopefully still. So (gasps) will Nikki. Yes. All of of Team Les Watch will be at Clexicon. I need to go. You need to go. It's true. I need to go. But thank you again for coming on. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye.